All right, hey guys, welcome to the channel. This is Jeff Kaufman with Sub to Empire. Uh, today I've got something very special for you. Um, it's a little bit different than our normal format. Uh, today I am joined by a real good friend of mine, uh, someone who has really, uh, really kind of opened my eyes to uh, some of the mistakes that I've been making out here rehabbing houses. Uh, one of the most knowledgeable dudes I know about it. Uh, this is uh, Craig Smith. I'm gonna turn the camera around and introduce him. All right, guys. This is uh, this is my friend Craig Smith. Uh, Craig is, like I said, he's a longtime rehabber, real good friend of mine. Uh, him and I are in a uh, in a mastermind together. That's how we met, actually. Uh, say hello. How's it going, guys? All Hope right. everyone's doing well out there. Good deal. Well, Craig is uh, Craig's a guy that, uh, like I said, has really uh, opened my eyes to a lot of mistakes that I was making in rehabbing. And we lucked out. We got the dogs barking now. <laughs> It's live. Yeah, sorry about that. All right, we're gonna we're gonna continue on. So, uh, Craig just Craig's out there on the tail end of finishing this house up, and um, let's let's take a walk inside, get away from yep. these dogs. But uh, what can you tell us about this one? So, this was just kind of your run of the mill house, run down, out of state owner had lived here for a while, uh, moved out, but you know we always joke that we like to buy maintenance free houses which means we buy houses that haven't been maintained in 15 <laughs> or 20 years that's right and that's absolutely the case for this one so it needed it needed the works she moved out left it in disarray a little bit of a hoarder house but not horrible um, but as you can see everything got cleaned up so what we did on the outside we had to put a new roof on roof was shot uh, we did new windows new door new shutters uh, a lot of landscaping up front. Most of the concrete you see here right in front of us was existing, so we didn't have to do much to that. But we did do three new slabs in the driveway. It had a failing retaining wall that's sitting right there behind my truck. That was a cast in place retaining wall. It was falling over due to pressure. So when the guys came and they did the concrete, I had my concrete guy break out the wall and then my crew uh, replace the retaining wall itself and put that in. Then we just landscaped it up. Good deal. But, yeah. As, so the outside was more cleanup effort than anything. It needed the usual house stuff. But from the outside, the house was in really good shape. It's an all brick house, full concrete foundation. Foundation was in good shape. One small leak on the corner that comes out by the driveway, but that was mainly due to the slab of the driveway sloping back to the house. The water couldn't get away. So my kind of rule of thumb is you can handle majority of all water issues if you just get the water away from the house. Mm -hmm. So your first battle, your first, I guess, attack plan should be making sure your roof's in good shape, making sure your gutters are working the way they should, collecting the water, they're not clogged, downspouts are pushing water away from the house, the grade is, I guess, sloped away from the house to get that water out away from it. Um, if you handle those issues, 99% of your water issues will go away. Um, but that's most of the time when we buy these, those issues aren't yeah. addressed. <laughs> yeah, we don't talk about. It. I know there's a there's a lot of folks on the channel that uh, don't have to deal with water issues. Yeah, uh, here just in Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just because uh, we're in St. Louis, so I, I do want to uh, I do want to kind of address that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we've got some great St. Louis weather today. Yeah, this is uh, this is pretty typical spring weather. Uh, you know, I would yep. say what a th at least a third of the time yeah. <laughs> in the spring it seems like it's doing this. And you know, usually, oddly enough, like springtime isn't 
where we see most leaks in house and basement issues. We typically see that mid-summer when you get those really heavy thunderstorms rolling mm -hmm. through where you get a ground scenario where it's completely saturated and then you get a week or three days worth of rain where you totally get three or dry. four inches and it's just there's nowhere for it to go yeah so you, and if from... you can't shed that water away from the house it's going to take the path of least resistance and it's going to weep into the basement through a crack or it's going to get some hydrostatic pressure and push up right underneath your slab yeah so. i've heard that i've heard that as well like you know you get basically the, the ground around in the summertime turns into concrete yeah so when you have these heavy downpours it can't absorb it fast yeah, enough that too. And, yeah and you we have a lot of clay soils in st louis so what will happen is that clay will bake in the heat and it'll get real dry and it'll actually shrink away from your foundation a mm -hmm. little bit and then you get a real heavy rain and that rain will shoot right down the side of your house between that soil and right. the foundation right. and then it'll get down by the footing and then kind of weep its way up and that's where your hydrostatic pressure comes in right so. Good deal. Well, yeah, let's I mean, uh, nice and clean up here. There's not much. I mean, new mailbox, new light. That's simple. This the brick on this house was in excellent shape. So it's worth saying we've we hold properties and we rehab properties. This one we didn't know which direction we were going to go with. It's kind of a candidate for both of our our options. There we could have held it. It would have made a great rental. We'll show you kind of how we address and how we handle the rentals. We've got a lot of those touches in here. But with the market as hot as it is right now. It's one of those, we either fix it up, sell it, and make 35 40 right away, or you put a renter in and you cash flow $250, $300 a month, which is awesome, and you have equity capture, but it's hard to say no to that money right yeah. now and take advantage of the market. I so. hear you. That's actually what we're, a lot of our students right now, they're on the they're borderline. They don't, yep. know, they don't know what they want to do. It's like, well... But that's perfect. Great perfect time options, to right? yeah, perfect time <laughs> yeah. to it to start flipping. Everybody because, cries that it's yeah. so hard to find houses right now, but the flip side is it's so easy to move houses on the back end. Yeah. So. Can we go in? Yeah, we can go in. Let's go check um, it out. I was posed on the roof right now, guys, because we had a, a plumbing stack inspection. We had to flood the stack just to show that it's not leaking. Yeah. All right. Part I of did, the, the I low light. This is a kind of a standard. Here, I'll open that door because it helps out a little bit. But it's kind of a... There we go. I was zoomed in a little bit too. Yeah, it's kind of your standard run-of-the-mill, three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath ranch that we see a ton of here in St. Louis. So if somebody asked me what your average house was that you came across in St. Louis, this is pretty much spot-on for your average house in St. Louis. How many square feet? Yeah, this is right at a 1,000 yep. square feet. Pretty typical. Yeah, pretty typical. <clears throat> Built in the 50s. This is tail into the 50s, so you have drywall, you're not plaster, which made it a lot easier, but you still had hardwood floors throughout. Um, and these turned out great, too. Yeah, the floors turned out great. You can see a little bit of staining if you kind of come over here, which we went as dark as we wanted to go without being like super, super dark, which you don't want. You get that kind of that piano black finish, and it's like having a black car. It shows every speck of dirt and dust. And but there's nothing prettier than a black car. You don't want that. Well, yeah, you don't want that if you're renting that black car. You don't want a black car. <laughs> so we, if we were going to rent this, we wouldn't want those floors super dark. But we always refinish hardwood and save it whenever we can. No kidding. Which is exactly what oh, we did here. Okay, yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So even on rentals, we'll refinish hardwood and save it. It just holds up a lot better than most all floors. Um, yeah. Got a real good friend that uh, has a philosophy with hardwood, uh, and that's procedural-wise. Yeah. He comes in, and he does his hardwoods before he does anything else. Really? All the hardwoods get done first, and then he comes in with paper behind it, takes yep. the time, covers it all with paper. If they get a nick in the paper, they take the time to yep. 
to uh, cover it, and it's only because when they when they come in and sand afterward, his the whole yeah, house is everywhere. just everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's just a staging and a means and methods of construction how you want to run it. Um, we generally get all the heavy nasty work done. So get through drywall, prime, and first coat, and then we'll refinish our hardwood, and then do the same thing: paper, tape, everything, protect it then finish on with all of the finishes. So setting cabinets, doing the other floors, putting baseboards and doors in. Um, just from what I found, it's so hard to keep everybody accountable when you have a bunch of different trades coming in and out. And inevitably for us, like you do get those little tears and nicks and slits in the paper and you get some grime and grit that works its way underneath and then it's just ground into your new hardwood floor and right. it hasn't worked out so well. But from a kitchen standpoint, uh, this was, Pretty much an original kitchen. You had soffits up top. Layout stayed pretty close to the same. I was telling Jeff earlier. Over here, you had a range, and then you had like a stackable microwave and oven. So that went away to where you just now have a regular microwave and then a range. His existing was gas, so we didn't really need to do anything there. But yeah, just kept the same L-shaped functional layout. Simple, clean. I've put in so many white shaker kitchens, I'm pretty much sick of it, I'm over it, I'm ready for the next thing, but they still sell and they're easy to get and they're cheap, so I will continue to use them. Um, I just don't use them, I wouldn't put them in my personal house because I'm so tired of seeing them. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they just work and they, they look so clean. You know, I, I do coaching some, for some students as well, uh, kind of like Jeff does. I always tell people never underestimate how far just clean and well-maintained will go. Uh, we, we use that that ethos on a lot of wholetails that we do. Like if it's, if it looks a little bit grandma, and especially in a market like we have right now, which is so hot, and you can just clean it up and everything's functional and just make it look well-maintained and maybe you just paint, you will be able to sell that house and move it, no problem. So you don't need to go well above and beyond and blow everything out like they do on HGTV. If that's your plan for every house, you're not gonna make any money. So you learn pretty quick that that's golden not nugget. You know? Yeah, it's one of those lessons that you taught me. Yeah. So yeah. I kind of whenever I look at a house, the three big things that I'll run down whenever I decide what I'm going to do, I'll break it into three categories. Three categories. So there's the must do, the should do, and the could do. Everything on the must do list has to be done because that's everything that you need to do to meet occupancy to make it a safe house to live, right? So that that's non-negotiable. You have to take care of that. That's making sure that your plumbing works and isn't leaking, making sure that your range is safe and functional, microwaves, making sure your windows are operable. It's all of your occupancy items that they would hit you on. So think smoke detectors, uh, guardrails to basements, um, functioning decks that aren't you're not gonna fall through, that kind of stuff. From there, I move on and the next thing are the, the should do's. And really for the should do items, that's everything that puts you on par with the neighborhood. So if I'm looking at my comps and every one of my comps in that neighborhood has a granite countertop in it or maybe a finished basement, I know that to get the most out of the house that I'm going to be rehabbing, I need to put in granite countertops and I need to finish the basement. Those are going to be my should do items. Uh, and beyond that, you move on to the could do. And really the could do items are kind of those cherry on the top things like those one or two extra things that you would do to make your house stand out. Your from signature. Others. That's your signature. Yeah, they could be your signature right. items, but yeah. it's really, 
if we are in a more normal market than we are right now, and let's say there was plenty of inventory and the role was reversed and we're in a buyer's market versus a seller's market, those could do items or is what is gonna get you the offer ahead of the other houses that are in this subdivision. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. So bulk of my work, everything on the must-do list, nearly everything on the should-do list, and then maybe one or two items on the could-do's. Gotcha. That's, that's how I approach rehabbing houses. Yeah, I want to add, too, that um, we're one of the very few markets that actually have occupancy inspections. So when Craig's talking yeah. about when he's talking about occupancy, um, if, if we have occupancy, if uh, if you don't have occupancy, then you're definitely going to have an inspection. So yeah. those those must-do items still have to be uh, they still uh, have prioritized. To be yeah, yeah. yeah, and it just it's just an extra step that we have in this area, and basically it's life safety. Yeah. What they're doing is they're trying to make sure that there's a minimum standard for a safe living environment, whether it's for a tenant that's going to be moving in, which is I would say as important, if not more, or a new homeowner who's going to buy a house and move into. They want to make sure that there's the minimum safety requirements so that that's a safe dwelling for them to live in.